You're listening to MoneyWeb at Midday. Amidst the geopolitical uncertainty that we're currently witnessing at, at present, it's long, long been taken for granted that bonds are a so-called safe bet and that equities is where risk lies. However, as the financial landscape evolves and central banks play an increasingly influential role, some say it's time to rethink those long-held beliefs. With us now is Jason Baborashin, Portfolio Manager at 91. So Jason, first up, many consider, as I've just said, bonds to be a safe investment, equities uh, not so much. Do you believe this traditional maxim still holds? Okay, so I think you probably need to have an idea of some of the the terms involved. So I guess firstly, it's the fact that there are many, many different types of bond. And so, for example, if you're buying the debt of a a corporation, then no, it's not safe and never has been. And that's not changed because of the particular context we're in now. It's always been true that you're very vulnerable to a downturn in the economy. Government bonds historically have presented in certain periods more safe features, i.e. your capital is less at risk relative to equities. Not also always true if you have, for example, a more inflation environment. And then the final thing probably just to say is that safety is a relative concept. So if your concern is that your capital is going to be lost, the only safe asset is cash. If your concern, though, is that your capital after being adjusted for inflation will be lost, then there are no safe assets at all anyway. So I think it's a it's a very relative term that moves with the environment. So specifically then, if that's the conventional wisdom, what shifts might challenge it? And particularly, what role are central banks playing in this transformation or in this, in this alteration? So what we've always seen is that government bonds, let's call those at the safer end of the risk spectrum with equities at the other end of it, have at points in time had a greater relationship with equities when you've had a more volatile inflationary backdrop. And that's what we currently have. As a consequence of that, we think that there could be a more or a heightened relationship between bonds and equities, government bonds and equities going forward. But in the shorter run, we think that ultimately growth is going to slow quite significantly. With it will also fall inflation into perhaps the start of next year. And that means that actually government bonds will have a lower relationship cyclically with equities and act as a more safe asset and potentially give you both an income and capital gains. The role of central banks is an interesting one. So we have a view that ultimately, after the financial crisis, central banks became much more market focused and were directly intervening with financial assets in a way that they hadn't previously, or at least in an explicit way that they hadn't previously. And that created a greater relationship between bonds and equities. I think that's going to persist. But the thing which has now been let out of the box, perhaps by central banks to an extent, through the stimulus enacted over COVID, is inflation. And that too, as we've alluded to, can create a higher relationship between bonds and equities if that persists. And our view is essentially it will come down cyclically, but base at a higher level than it did post the GFC. And then we're going to move back up. That's a multi-year, potentially decade view. Um, We're dealing with a sort of here and now, which was where we see bonds in a much better place, I think. So as far as investment strategy is concerned, then, and particularly for more uh, conservative global investors, are there uh, there alternatives, defensive alternatives that they should be looking at? Yes, I think so. Um, So a lot of investors today are going to be asking, well, why should I do anything other than hold cash? And I think that there are a few good reasons. I mean, the first is ultimately that... 
there's reinvestment risk because you aren't locking in a long-term yield on your, your cash rates. So you need, I think, to have a view on what you'll do in the future. If our base case of there being a slowdown in growth comes through, you'll see lower rates by this point next year. I think the second is, you know, there is significant opportunity cost. And in particular, when inflation is running at higher levels, you need to be focused on how you're going to grow your capital, but do so in a risk-adjusted way. And so I think, for example, in our strategies, we're making more use of options, as I think they can give you upside with a known downside. The third is really you've got no flexibility in buying very short maturity bonds or, or holding cash. You know, you can't you can't take advantage of things as they change. I think we've got the ability to to change things more in our strategy, particularly using things like those options or derivative strategies. And the, and the fourth reason is ultimately that when you have a, a higher rate environment, you've got a cushion to your assets. So if you're investing your cash, there's a greater chance that you won't make a loss, if that makes sense, because ultimately you've got a greater return rate on a portion of your cash. So don't go all in necessarily, but do have something that's non-cash. Do invest something and try and grow that. And today, I think there are a few interesting alternatives. You know, it's looking at some of the high quality developed market international bond areas. So Europe, we think, is slowing significantly and we'll see rate cuts or, or potentially more uh, or less tightening. Uh, some of the um, sort of Australia and New Zealand regions, we think, look pretty compelling. And then ultimately, having things which have got the ability to grow their earnings in a more inflationary environment, so high-quality dividend companies, mm. I think look compelling. So if we look at our strategy today, it's effectively a sort of shortish maturity bond with exposure via options to upside in equities. And that's the specific approach that you've got, for instance, towards the global multi-asset income fund? Correct. Yes, that's exactly how we're, we're running it. So we, we basically think we're running a much higher level of yield on the underlying, which is your base for returns. That's close to 6% now. We've then got around three years of duration. So that tells you how sensitive we are to interest rate moves. Typically, if interest rates move down by 1% and you have three years of duration, you would make 3% in capital gains. So we think we've got a very clear path for making some pretty compelling returns from here if those rate cuts that we foresee come through. If we're wrong about the slowdown in growth, we think then that actually riskier assets are going to do better. It's not our base case by any means. But in that context, having options which will then take you more exposed should markets go up, I think is a quite compelling way to invest, given volatility so low, and that's the key input to options pricing. I'm going to leave it there. Jason Borbrashin, thank you very much indeed.